if you wanted other people to hear it, yeah, recording would be the first step. We tend to assume the worst. There's been far too many situations where I failed to hit record. Okay, you gotta go. Okay, we're going. What? Oh, yeah. Welcome to another potentially useful episode of the TCAP Slew Podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and he's perpetually dealing with whiteout conditions. It's the technologist. Uh, thanks, David, for uh, joining me today. Absolutely. No whiteout, but uh, just frigid temps this morning, hey? Well, I was, I was thinking more mentally whiteout conditions. Oh, yeah. White yeah. noise conditions. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so much information all at the same time. Absolutely. Before we remote start this pod, let's scrape the ice and snow off of this week's TCAPS loop. Moment of Zen. Trust is built with consistency. And I think that kind of ties into uh, the topic we're discussing today, which is uh, routines. Uh, That's such a great quote. Trust is built through consistency. And I think that's true in our relationships outside of of education, of course, like with your family, with your kids, with your, your kids towards you, with uh, the people you work with. Yeah, all over. We live in an environment of change and we have to understand, obviously, that, you know, change is the one permanent. However, having some foundation of consistency is what we can actually build off of to be able to um, cope with the change. I guess in education, why are routines so important? Well, I think it starts with uh, understanding that, as you said, change is ever present and change can create anxiety. And so one of the ways that we try to ameliorate that anxiety is by providing a level of expectation that when a student walks into a classroom, for example, they know what they're going to get, that we try to remain uh, consistent in our reactions, that we we treat students the same uh, in one class as we do in another, that we respond to situations in the same way, no matter uh, who is involved. And so some of those relationship consistencies, we can take our reasoning for doing that and apply it to teaching and learning as well. I can ask you, for example, what are your routines for creating a podcast? Well, getting a guest would be the first thing, but uh, right. I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every podcast starts the same. Your your analogy is perfect because the reason why I do the same intro, relatively the same intro, the same structure every time, is to create a sense of consistency for my podcast partner. That that start is always the the thing that gets people comfortable, so that you can go on and actually get to the meat of what you're you're trying to do. Yes, and it identifies for your audience that, yes, this is what you expected to hear. It puts them in a space where they're ready to hear that content, knowing what they're about to get. It isn't suddenly um, Larry the Comedian show, and we're wondering, well, is this the school podcast, or is this his stand-up routine that he's doing? Um, Nor do you come on and all of a sudden be extra serious one day, And, um, you know, we think maybe we're about to get a lecture. It's a consistent tone. It's a consistent initial message. We have that moment of Zen and we're able to kind of sink into an expected context and an expected format. And we know what we're going to get. 
completely that's important for your listeners and it's doubly important for our students i mean we want our students to be adaptable but yep and all this all the supplies over to the teaching and learning so when my students come into my class right now we're using brightspace as one of our as an lms in the district and they know they can expect that every week there is our week at a glance listed on there and it says monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday and i have my my tentative plans, and I always call them my tentative plans because just like during a podcast, you don't really know what I'm going to say. And sometimes you have to respond in the moment to what I say, and you're really good at doing that. Uh, in my classroom, I have a tentative plan, but if students are at a particular place on Tuesday and what I had planned for Wednesday doesn't meet their needs, I have to be able to adapt to that. And they have to know that when that Wednesday is up there, it could change. Now, change is okay as long as it's expected. And that's where these routines come in. I post my week at a glance. That's a routine. When I assign work that's due through Brightspace, it goes into my activity feed. That's a routine. I even have this routine of posting what I'm reading instead of my teacher instructor profile being my picture and my name and whatever they know me by now. I have my, a cover of the book or a picture of the author. And I have a little note about what I'm reading. That's a routine. So all of these things, as you say, they help to build consistency and they help to build trust so that students come into the classroom, they see the week at a glance they can relax a bit and know, okay, I know where we're going for the week. I don't have to be surprised at anything along the way. Doesn't mean nothing will change, but it does mean that we do have a level of expectation that sets them at ease or at least is intended to. This brings to mind uh, a tweet that I saw earlier that kind of maybe juxtaposed against the kind of the conversation we're having, but you're actually going more towards what this tweet was. And I wish I could attribute it to the person, but I, I tried to find it back in my uh, my feed. And I, of course, I couldn't find it. But basically, she was asserting that we can't over plan as educators because we have to understand that we're in the business of growing humans and humans yeah. are malleable and change and growing at different rates. So if we yep. over structure, we lose that ability to adapt. However, yes. And I think this is where the question I wanted to um, kind of dig in with you is how can you be adaptive and consistent simultaneously and how can they leverage each other? Sure. That's a great question. How to be adaptive and consistent. And that's where I think I'm going to go come back to this word again. Some of these routines can fit in when they know the kinds of routines that we traditionally go through in a classroom. Um, when you have a kind of set number of ex expected ways of showing learning in a classroom and different teachers will have different methods that they have their students show their learning. When they understand that when they come into my class, there's a few different ways that we're going to ask them to show learning. There may be times where I need to adapt that because I'm not getting the responses out of the students that I'm seeing. But on the student side, when they see that that sort of repeated expectation of how am I going to dem demonstrate my learning, they learn that they need to be able to adapt to that expectation. And, and maybe what I expect is slightly different from what somebody else expects in a different room. We go through our day as adults, and I would say 70% of our day is routine. 
Maybe more. Sure. Maybe sure. more. As adults, we have set up our routines based on our individual needs. And, you know, those are the tools in our toolbox because if we were thinking in the moment all the time, our stress levels would be through the roof. We mm-hmm. are not built for that. We, we're, we are built, especially with a very comp- the complex society that we have today, we're able to maintain some level of sanity through our routines so that mm-hmm. when we, when the need arises for us to be adaptive or thoughtful, we have the capacity to do that. If we were constantly focusing on every moment on the road, we might be a little bit safer, but we're probably over overcorrect and oversteer. And I think that's a great example. And you see that in young drivers. I see it driving around with my daughter now um, where she is hyper aware and hyper vigilant. And that's, that's good to a degree, but it's to the point where she gets hyper focused on a detail and forgets to just kind of relax and do the things naturally. And she, if she doesn't remember to do something, she might not do it, like checking your side mirrors or checking your rear view mirror, where we talk about things that become second nature. And as drivers that have been doing this for 30 some years at this point, it's all second nature to us at this point. But for teenagers and for learners, when they are learning these routines, it's new to them. It's new to them. It's not a routine yet. Yeah. Right. And they have to practice the routine until it becomes comfortable. And that's why that establishment of routines in a classroom gives them the practice of the routine until they can become comfortable with it. When a teacher uses an exit ticket and says, okay, you need to uh, write me three sentences or whatever on the most important things that came out of today's lesson, their first attempt at that exit ticket is not going to be very good. But as that teacher uses that routine more and more, not only is it helping them figure out how to complete an exit ticket, that's not the goal. The goal is for them to summarize their learning. The routine just gets them to the learning goal. So whatever routines we're we're establishing for our students, again, the goal isn't to get really good at the routine. It's to accomplish the learning goal. When I have my students uh, do kind of reader response analysis of a poem or a short story. The goal really isn't to have them work with the story. The goal is for them to understand how to interact with every story so that it's not limited to a particular unique single example. And I think we can say that of all of our routines that we that we use in a classroom, no matter what it's about, it's never about the routine itself. It's about our our learning goal that we have for that day or for that unit. You know, every golfer, every great golfer has a routine before they hit the ball. The goal is to hit the ball. That's not the routine, but you're not thinking about the rest of it. The rest of it is just routine. I like to think of it as keeping your head still. You know, the, the, the key to doing anything sports related well is to keep your head still. If your head's bobbing around all over the place, you're probably not going to be able to hit the ball because you're constantly moving. I think as an educator, Your job is to try to create an environment where the student's head is still so that they can achieve the learning goal. If their head's all over the place, you're not going to be able to get them to focus on the actual learning goal. So it's, you know, trying to, for you, for instance, a teenager's head 
to stop bopping around all right. over the place. I wasn't sure when you were talking about keeping your head still as a golfer. I, I felt it, but I wasn't sure where that was going to end up. And man, you did a good job on that. I like that. I brought it home. Um, I feel like I brought it home. Yeah, you did. But I do want to add this too, because it brings another level to it. As musicians, we practice scales, right? Mm-hmm. We practice the C, ma- the C major scale, the C minor scale, the F sharp major scale. We practice all these scales, which we never encounter in actual music. Well, almost never do we play an entire scale, but we will play short parts of that scale or we will play intervals within that scale. We get used to how our hands move on an instrument playing those scales so our hands no longer have to think about which buttons to push or our embouchure doesn't have to worry about which shape to take. The whole point of that practice isn't to learn the scale. That's the secret bit. It's not about learning the scale. It's about being able to play music. What are some specific tools or resources or things that you do that uh, create those routines or what are some, what are some routines that you use in your classroom? Sure. A lot of teachers use um, warmups and that word goes all the way back to when I was first entering the education field in the mid nineties, we talked about warmups or the anticipatory set, getting kids thinking about an idea related to what they're about to learn that day. So they don't come in and you just start lecturing. You have, and I do this every day in my class. I use my bright space. Uh, class, and I have a question that's related to what it is we're about to learn. And I give them three to five minutes to write. And then we take a couple minutes to talk. And I've talked about this before, not about in, in the sense of routines, but I always have my students write before they speak. And so I give everybody a chance to think and reflect and express their idea before I open it up to volunteers who are going to tell us what they think. And I really do think that that routine, A, it allows for more students to have their voice heard, even if it's only me reading their comments, because I will bring it up on my screen and scroll through and I'll look for good comments and I'll look for comments from kids who don't often talk. And if I can find something in there that's useful and valuable and insightful, I'll bring it up and I won't mention them by name uh, because I always tell them I won't do that, but I'll bring it up and they'll, they'll be able to have that moment. Like, Hey, he picked mine. And you can see it when you do that, they kind of puff up a little bit and they, you know, so even if we're not identifying it, they know keeping my list of what's coming up in the week in a week at a glance really helps kids. If they're absent, they know every week they can go there and find what it is we did that day. I post all my assignments in the activity feed so that, again, between the week at a glance and the activity feed, I can scroll back and see if there's something that they were assigned. They can just click on it and do that thing. We use things like Edpuzzle as a way to study any video asset that we're going to use in the classroom. We don't just show videos and then say, okay, what did you think? We use this tool routinely <laughs> where if we're going to watch an eight minute video, I put it through Edpuzzle. What Edpuzzle does is it allows you to insert questions, multiple choice. You can have text-based responses too. 
it makes them pause and answer that question before they move on. So the goal of the routine of using Edpuzzle is to make sure that they understand the content as they work through it and not just let the video play and get to the end and say, yeah, I quote watched it. Even in terms of where we keep our look, our assignments by using again, the activity feed, the week at a glance, the content tab, all of that stuff works together to be something that's predictable and routine in terms of directing kids where to go. And when, especially when students are absent and in these days, when we've got so many absences that are that are happening and so many kids that are gone for long periods of time, it's absolutely essential to have that predictable and routine so that students and families know where to go to get this stuff. I'd like to point this out, listeners. This is coming from our resident agent of chaos. You know, oh, this is the... 100%. <laughs> I'm, you know. I am admittedly the agent of chaos and I love to be, but I also know that you shouldn't be chaotic when it comes to that interaction between the learner and the material. You have to be the opposite of that. You don't want to be the obstacle. You don't want to be the obstacle. No, uh, no, you know, no, 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 no. Now, have you seen your practice change? I mean, obviously, this is this might be this the most obvious, maybe stupidest question I've ever asked. Okay. Have you seen your your practice change over the past two and a half years in regards to? Not even to, a little bit. Not even a little bit. Really? So, no, so I'm it, kidding. Of course. <laughs> I was going to say, okay, that wasn't that was a surprise. You know, because I, I I remember you being much more willing to adopt. A new tool out of the blue and, and, and kind of work with your students and, and, and yeah. enjoy that process. I, I don't yeah. feel as though that would necessarily be a valid method of teaching now in the current environment. It, you're not wrong, uh, but you're not 100% right either. <laughs> and here's the only thing wait like, a minute, where's gray areas between that? There are. I don't even, didn't even know. We're in this space where, unfortunately, we have to be ready at any day to be gone. And that's just the reality that we're in right now. So now is maybe not the time to do a ton of experimentation in terms of, hey, we're going to try this, and this is the first time we've done it. But at the same time, if I find something that is especially useful, that elevates my students' ability to create meaning around their study, I'm going to take a risk. We tried to do a podcast this year, actually, uh, in my language arts class. It's in the the scope and sequence that we should do it. I don't know that anybody's ever tried it. it. We're all scared of it. And I tried doing it, and I had a couple different tools that I had my kids use to record. And it worked. Asterisk. It wasn't as natural as I wanted it to be. It wasn't as conversational. Uh, I need to work on how to teach it better. I need to work on how to introduce it and maybe team the kids up better. It ended up sounding like kids reading essays rather than being a conversation, which is the goal. And maybe part of that's because of the topic. So it needs to be worked, but we tried it. Gosh darn it. We had this tool. We had this ability. We had this capacity. Let's give it a shot and see what we can do. And it kind of worked. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that the kids went through this thing and it only sort of worked because they went through it with me just like I went through it with them. And now we know. And if we do it again, we we will all be better the next time around. And I think that's what we're, our job is, right? 
learning how to do things better. So, so embrace routines, but don't be afraid to grow. No, 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 no. Yeah. The routines, the You're routines like, no, are there. No, 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 no. Like I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The routines are there to establish a comfort zone. If you don't have that trust from your consistency, you'll never be able to have them trust you to step out on their own. Okay. So yeah, you need to step out. You need to take risks, but you can't be risking every day. And you can't risk without a foundation of trust. And frankly, uh, that whole risky thing that we did had the foundation of the routines because where was the where were the instructions available on how to do what we were trying to do? Where were the where was like the rubric that I was going to be using to grade the piece? Where was all of the in the the timeline in terms of when we were doing all of these things? They were in my routines. They were in my week at a glance, my activity feed, and my content. So yes, we took the risky behavior, but all of the resources necessary to take that risk were part of my routines. Boom, you, nailed it. All right. And hey, I, do you have a do you have a tech tool of the week? Actually, I have a couple things. Okay, uh, The first one actually comes from um, Danielle is the first one that that keyed me into it, and I think she saw it on Twitter, maybe. And then the second one is one that I just found today. So the All first right. one is it's mywordle.me for the the world of people who've been playing Wordle, and I love Wordle. So it's about to go behind the paywall, right? It's about to go behind the New York Times paywall. And they're using very vague language about whether or not you're going to have to pay for it to get there. But this site, myworld.me, allows you to create your own wordles of five letters. And so I made one the other day. My kids are, are about to start studying the crucible. Uh, instead of having them doing a, a writing warm up, I had this wordle for them. And it spelled out the word witch. Uh, which is actually very difficult because it only had one vowel and it wasn't A or E, but they figured it out. So uh, you can do a customizable five-letter wordle. I wouldn't do it every day. Five-letter words are, are tough to make contextually relevant for every day. But as a once-in-a-while thing, it's a fun code-breaking practice. It's not really about language. It's more about code-breaking, but that's fun too. So I would use it in math class. We could analyze how we make selections and how the number of words gets limited from several thousand down to just a few hundred, even with just one letter uh, being known. So a statistics a teacher could have some fun with that for sure. That's right. Uh, the other one is called hellowordle.net. And that one says that it will always remain free. So did Wordle. So we'll see. But Hello Wordle is similar to Wordle. It's the same setup. It looks the same. But you can change the word length from between four letters and 11. And you still get six tries. I tried it at seven. I got it on the last possible guess. I tried it at 11. And I had two options and I picked the wrong one. I had two guesses of what it might be. And on my last guess, I picked the other one. So I got, I missed it. Uh, but I like that it goes down to four letters for younger students and all the way up to 11, which I, I don't think I'd ever give high school students an 11 letter word in a code breaker, but six, seven, maybe depending on grade level and all that. 
So I thought those were neat. One of them you can make on your own. You can you can customize it, and uh, and the other one you can customize the word length, but you can't create your own. All right, become part of the Wordle Hive. It's super um, fun. <laughs> All right. In closing, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tcaps Loop at Technologist. All right, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, TuneIn, Pocket Casts, Downcast, Overcast, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring. I think I lost the thread a little bit there, Larry. <laughs> <laughs>